Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, we have Barry Tesler. She is a financial therapist, and she's so beautifully connected finances and therapy together. And what I think you'll get the most out of today's episode, uh, she shares so many great nuggets about your relationship to money, how you go through money healing, what your money identity is, and how important this is when it comes to our relationship to investing. Money is at the core of it. So I think you'll really enjoy today's episode. And also for us parents, right? We want to break the cycle there of that relationship we have with money that we got from our parents and they got for their parents. So how can we do this in a very powerful and meaningful way? Because sometimes we do things that we don't know we're doing. So she encouraged uh, us to think about it in a way that we will propel a more healthy and savvy relationship with money. So the children that are coming don't need to deal with different the same thing. They're going to deal with different things, but not the same things that you and your parents are dealing with. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED lights, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. Right, Andressa? That is correct. Whatever balance means to you. Yes, yes. I always steal that from her and I usually say it, but then I gave her a chance this time to say it. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. So welcome back to our show. We so appreciate you coming back on this journey with us. And it is a journey. Uh, so excited about today's guest, uh, Barry Tesler. She has so many amazing things to share when it comes to your relationship with money, which we know money is like the key to it all in real estate investing. And, and so we're excited to uh, have you here, Barry. Thank you so much for making time to connect with us and connect with our, our audience. Thank you so much for having me here. And I love that you say that you get to define that on your own terms, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's so important, right? Yeah. Yep. And it, it really differs, right? From, from woman to woman, and that's you yes. know who we're serving. So we're going to jump into Barry's story and, and just really great nuggets she's going to share with us when it comes to money, which uh, is probably the biggest topic, right? We all have and, and well, a, lot of, a lot of pieces around. So we're excited to jump in there with you. Um, but we always do each week. We really like to get connected to all of you amazing women listening. And, and again, we always like to say you're on this journey with us. This is a journey. It's not a destination. Financial freedom is not, you're not trying to get somewhere and then you're done. It's literally always evolving and, and, and really we're evolving with you. So that's really uh, what we always like to share. So Andressa and I like to share a quick tip, something mm -hmm. coming up for us and yep. then uh, and then share that with all of you. So Andressa, I have this week, correct? You do. I'm checking because you usually are a little more organized than I. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, here's what I have for you today or this week. And, and you know, at the time of recording, we're in the summer. Uh, and every day before my kids go to camp, I put some block on them. And it's like, you know, a pain than you know what. But regardless, we have this whole system, right? They go in the garage and Sammy starts putting it everywhere. And, and then she starts like rubbing it on her dolls. And then my son kind of gets it, but kind of doesn't. And he just does it really quick. So he's starting to do it himself. Anyway, it's literally like a 15 minute process. 
sorry, I'm just as like, what does this have to do with real estate investing in women? I'm going to get to that. No, I'm just picturing everything that's going on. <laughs> like, yeah, it's I'm like, a, you know, it's garage. just like crazy. Even during the year, it's crazy. But summer camp is even more intense. You got to remember, you know, a lot more things. I don't know why, but it seems a little more intense in my head. So I got, you know, the checklist. So the last thing is sunblock. Anyway, um, yeah, let them off. My, my husband took them today and, and I had like literally five minutes, give myself a cup of coffee and jump into my day. And I got to thinking about the power of sunblock in the summer. Obviously it is warm and you have to protect yourself and protect your kiddos. But then I thought about it. I'm like, mentally, do I put sunblock on, you know? And I'm like, you know, prayer and meditation, but what am I doing each day to like protect myself from what? Not the sun, obviously here's a metaphor, but protect myself from my own limitations, my own, you know, and, and something my family and I started was a family intention. So we go around and share our intention for the day. And that's been really helpful. Some days I don't want to do it, but lately I've, you know, what was my intention today is just to speak positive words and to, to think positively, which most of the time you'd think, wow, Liz, you seem like really positive. That's probably easy for you, but not all the time. And so that was my intention for today. And why I say, where's the connection with sunblock is that you need to put your own like mental sunblock on, you know, each day. What is that? What, what does that look like for you? Prayer, meditation, and whatever you do, are you doing it routinely? Because sometimes we do things when we don't think about them and then you don't even feel better after them. I don't know about you, but it's like, you have to actually think about what you're doing, like feel good about what you're doing. And that intention part, really, I did some prayer, I did some meditation and we did our intention for the day as a family before the kids went off and I did the sunblocking. And I really felt like, yeah, I'm bringing positivity every conversation I have. And that means I have to show up positive and not think negatively. So that's what I have for you this week. You know, I see that like the, the, this bubble, right? Not the bubble to protect us from living life or experience different things, but the, the bubble to have our boundaries, like this is, this is my boundary in terms of who I want to have friendships with. If those folks, I have a, a, a thing with people that have like this excuse, anything that happens to them, it's like somebody's else fault or something like that. And I, in the past, I was more like, let me, let me, let's talk through it. Let me explain to you it, but it's, it's a matter of like, okay, I'll tell you once, twice. And, but we're not going to have this conversation all over. And so it's like putting our mental sunblock on, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever that means to you, whatever it fulfills you and your life. Yes. Yes. And we need to do that daily. So uh, without further ado, Barry, thank you so much for taking time to be with us here today and just love your background and, and what you are committed to. And I know you do a lot around the art of money. And, and again, Barry, what, what I love about how we're having you on and, and, and the women that are listening is it's not just going to be like tactical real estate investing strategies. We do have that and we do a lot of that, right? Because that's our core. But it, you know, our three pillars are business, self-care, and real estate investing. And, and the art of money is so connected to all three of those pillars. Uh, because if you don't have a great relationship with money, how are you going to invest in real estate, right? That, that's always the question mark in my head. So thanks for being on. And, you know, we always like to ask the ladies we interview a little bit about their background, obviously, but what, what propelled them? We usually typically ask what, what propelled them into the area of investing. But for you, what, what propelled you into the, into the work that you're doing to, to, to create the community and the work that you do around supporting all different types of people with their relationship with money? Yes, I never thought I'd be a financial therapist. And whenever I tell, when people ask me, I'm on the airplane at a conference, you know, what do you do? And I say, I'm a financial therapist. They cock their head <laughs> and then take a moment and go, oh, wow, my mom needs that. Or my you know, husband needs that. Or my daughter, or my son, or I need that, you know? So I, you know, originally when I was growing up, I wanted to be three things, a solid gold dancer, which tells me, tells you all I'm in my fifties. Okay. If you know what that is. The second is a businesswoman. So my, when I was 12 years old, my career report was I wanted to be a businesswoman. Not, I didn't know what kind, but my dad was in real estate. So, okay. Mm. Yeah. And so um, I wanted to be in real estate with him. And then the third was I asked to go to therapy when I was 16. Um, so wow. third was, yeah, become a psychotherapist. So solid gold dancer, some kind of businesswoman, possibly real estate. And third <laughs> was psychotherapist. And so it wasn't until I did my undergrad and history 
it still was like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, you know, and then I moved to Israel for a year to take a break and to find myself. And when I was there is when I thought I made up dance movement therapy. I was like the Dan. Yeah, I grew up dancing. So, you know, I wanted to be some kind of dance therapist and I thought I made it up. And then I moved to Jerusalem and soon learned there's entire graduate programs in somatic body centered psychotherapy, what used to be mm-hmm. called more dance movement therapy. So at the age of 24, I moved back to the States, Boulder, Colorado, and started my, you know, master's degree in somatic psychology. And my topics, I, you know, I thought I'd be working with couples around intimacy, relationships, sexuality, body, food with women, and death and grief. So those were the topics that I was exploring, right? There's nothing about money that I've said yet. And, you know, I mean, that was, you know, you had to do a lot of coursework. You had to do a lot of internship work. We had to write a 150 page thesis. Um, And then my student loan came due. Mm. And it was that moment that, you know, it was that big epiphany of number one, how am I going to pay this back? I have a master's degree and I'm making $11 an hour. $11 an hour, you know, my late twenties with a master's degree as a, you know, social worker in the mental health field. Um, What is my relationship money to money? Do I have a healthy one? Do I have a savvy one? What is it? You know, what have I learned? It became so clear. It was such an obvious missing piece in my life, but then especially in my training as a therapist, you know, we did not talk about money, not even like, how do you work with couples? If, you know, on the surface, Fighting about money is one of the biggest reasons couples get divorced, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's really the deeper stuff, but, and we don't know how to communicate um, about what's really going on and the deeper themes, which we can talk about. Um, but also, how do you start your own private practice? How do you do the bookkeeping? How do you set your fees? How do you, you know, talk to your clients about their relationship to money? It was such an obvious missing piece that the light bulbs went on. And I, I either thought I'm going to run away and like, travel the world and not pay the student loan back, which, you know, was a silly option, but it was just an option. I I like to put options on the table. (laughs) And then the other option was what I do with everything is I'm going to face it. And I'm going to take it on one of those scary big topics and learn everything that I can. And I wound up learning bookkeeping first and then having a transitional bookkeeping business for other therapists, coaches, Mm -hmm. um, artists, and contractors and so I did that for a few years. And I always say, learn more about people's relationship to money, their spending patterns, their values, what's important to them, how they relate to money. And they all just threw their bookkeeping at me. They didn't even know. That I was, was a wonderful study case. Because <laughs> it, it was see from behind the scenes and gather uh, and, and look at the data and say, wow, there's a pattern here. That's that's that was it, like preparing you. It was right. It was, but I was just following the breadcrumbs or I like to call them the chocolate crumbs, you know, and that was between the ages of 28 to 32. And then at 32 is when I decided to put it all together. My past training as a therapist with bookkeeping systems that I surprisingly fell in love with and, you know, money management tools and practices that I was coming up with because all the traditional money books, they were good. And they taught me the basics, you know, paying down debt living within your means, basic budgets, basic investments. But, you know, as a therapist for me, it was, I was aware money is so emotional Mm. for myself and everyone around me. And I needed to come up with a lot more than just the basics of paying down debt and investing. I wanted to really help people understand what their money emotions are, their money story. So long story short to complete when I, you know, this is 20 years ago. So I'm having my, my 20th year anniversary mm-hmm. as a financial therapist, right. And then a decade before as training as a therapist. So in 2001, I started my first tiny little groups teaching my methodology in my living room in an apple orchard in California. I don't live there any longer. Um, and I taught 10 people over and over and over until it grew to 20 people and then eventually 50 people. And I used to teach it in six week classes. Then nine weeks, then three months, then six months. And for the last nine years, I've been teaching a year-long program with about 500 students from around the world each year who go through my program. So that's, that's a little awesome. bit. Yeah. That's awesome. So you talked a lot, the research that I, I, I did around you talked a lot about money healing and like untangling all your past. To a lot of people, you sound daunting because they like, I don't want to 
touch that. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist. It is what it is. Well, I am on my whatever, 30s, 40s, 50s, you name it. And can I change anything right now or, or not? But I encourage you guys to be open-minded and do the work with us. But, and I know that we're not going to do all the work over here, but where can we start looking at it? Is there yeah. like a, a step that we can look to even identify what is our, our relationship? With you them? bet. You bet. And number one, you know, I want to say that most of us did not receive a complete financial education from grade school and up, right? So everyone, please know that. So most of us are learning this as adults. My community is 25 to 75 years old. And most, if not all the people who come to me have done a lot of work on themselves. They're smart, they're savvy, they've matured, developed in every area of life. And money's kind of the last frontier for them. So they still feel they're a teenager around money. And some of my folks feel they're not even a teenager. They're still an infant, right? That's one thing. The second thing is that my methodology starts with money healing. Then we move to money practices and money maps. So I'm going to give you a few tools, but I just want folks to know there's a lot of really practical steps that come, you know, in the next phases. And I teach it in my book. I teach it in my year-long program. It's, it's a journey. It's, you've already said it's a, it's a lifelong journey of fine-tuning every year. So step one or two and money healing is, is a few things. One, the first tool that I give when people say, you know, how do I have a healthier, savvier relationship to money? Before I say, learn a bookkeeping system, which is number two, I say, start practicing body check-ins. Hmm. Now, what's a body check-in? Some people already know it. They do a meditation practice or they have a yoga practice or they, know, they check in and, and, and center it, a body check-in is just getting out of your head, which is not so easy for some of us, and checking in with our body during all the daily money interactions that we have. So when we're going to go online and look at our numbers and see what our balances are. And I just looked this morning and there might be a teeny bit of fraud that hasn't happened in a few years. It happens, right? Even, you know, with everything in place. So, you know, I, I, when you're going online to check your numbers, when you're checking your balances, when you're going online to do some online shopping, when you're going to have a money conversation with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your clients, and so on. So body check-in is really, it's something you can do before you're going to go look at your numbers or bookkeeping or have the money conversation. It can happen during it in the heat of the moment. You remember, oh my God, I'm, I'm having some really strong emotions right now. And I'll, or after is a debriefing, like, how did that go? What worked? What can I change? So a body check-in is really just stopping and pausing. It could be five seconds. It could be 30 seconds. Checking in physically what's going on in your body. Legs crossed, legs open, shoulders up, shoulders down, jaw tight, jaw loose. You know, just noticing physically what's happening. Second, any sensations. So any movement, butterflies, tightness in your body, just notice. The third thing is what is the emotion? So the same set of emotions that come up in every area of life come up around money as well. Mm. Shame, guilt, anger, anxiety, sadness, um, jealousy, you know, um, to joy, excitement, you know, hope, um, you know, so, and everywhere in between, and even a lot of people are talking more about fight, flight, freeze, having financial fight, flight, freeze, really strong responses to being audited by the IRS, for example, or, you know, so checking in with your emotions, and we can talk about that more. That's step three in the little body check-in, just what emotion or emotions are present. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two, sometimes, you know, I'm feeling excited, but also really nervous to look at my money. You know, when people come in, they start doing money work. They're like, I'm kind of terrified to look at this, but I'm also feeling hopeful. Right. So we've, and then to complete, I ask people to check in, where's their breath. So is their breath like up in their throat? They're kind of hyperventilating at the car dealership, or is it in their chest or down in their belly? And then I always end it with what's one little adjustment. Can I lower my shoulders? Can I loosen my jaw? Can I uncross my legs? Can I put the soles of my feet on the ground? Can I get my breath deeper in my body? So the body check-in serves many purposes, but it is step one 
in money healing. And it's step one in how to have a healthier, savvy relationship to money from a financial therapist perspective, right? It helps you stop, pause, bring more awareness to what's happening. It can help calm you down. Not always and not at first, right? Um, and then eventually you can start to notice like, what are the, what is the set of emotions that comes up for me? What do I do when I'm going to go have a money conversation? You know, what does my freak out look like? Um, and then that leads to understanding what your money story and patterns are. And the money story and patterns came from our childhood, right? Any therapist will tell you, right? And I don't, I don't want us to go back and hang out in therapy forever, but go back and pick up some of the pieces. You know, what did you learn from your parents or grandparents um, around money? What was positive? What was negative? Conscious, unconscious, you know, what do you do that's just like mom? You know, do you remember, do you have an image of her paying bills at the dining room table um, anxiously, you know? Um, but is mom also generous? So where are you like her? Where have you rebelled against her? Where are you trying to find your own relationship to money? So hmm. I'll complete, but a money story is just made up of childhood memories, what we learned from our parents, grandparents, our lineage, the socioeconomic class we grew up in, um, siblings, you know, and my sibling, I'm the oldest, but my younger sister and brother, like, were, are way more frugal than me. They were saving at age five. And I always, I was known as the spender only because I liked many things. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had a lot of desire. I wanted to buy my mom the ring at the school fair. I wanted the candy. Like, I just wanted, you know, so, but even in the same family, right. And so there's so much to go back to understand what you learned, um, where you're reacting, where you're rebelling, where you're doing things completely different because you received or did not receive certain things growing mm -hmm. up. And then I think it's really at 25, I mean, some 20 year olds, but 25 and up, you can really start bringing more awareness and understanding to what your money story was mm -hmm. shining the light on your current patterns around earning and spending and saving how that's working. And then you, and then you start looking at, can I rewrite a new money story? Can I change? Right. Can I make shifts? And you can. Yeah. It, it's so fascinating to me because, you know, financial advisors, just like to me, right. Black and white. Let's see where things are. And I think that a lot of people feel a lot of shame because they didn't, whatever circumstance happened. Have you found that during your practice, right? Because I feel you're combining two beautiful, I don't know how you, things, I'll just call things, two beautiful <laughs> things with psychology and the, the, your relationship with money. And I don't know if you've also faced the same issues as therapists, right? Because I always say, I always think that if you are still healthy, you go to therapist, you, you go and you, 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 if you're really sick and you're refusing to go is because things are really, really challenging to say. So for folks that are having money challenges, do you feel that a lot of people that really, really need help don't go because they feel shame? And if, if they're hearing us right now, how can they overcome that and not feel that by going to ask for help, they're like really admitting that they fail? Okay. Well, I mean, most everyone has money issues in my world <laughs> from right. all different economic levels, from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. So I've had high earners who weren't looking at their numbers and so they weren't saving and many of them were going into debt. But my God, were they really good earners? You know, they just won't slow down to sit with, with a bookkeeper or, you know, and really look at their numbers and plan things out a bit better. Um, I have my under earners who, you know, really are working on their relationship to under earning and the relationship to value and self-worth. And, you know, it's not connected to the numbers, but at the same time, we need to price things, you know, and create business models. So, I mean, in my world, everyone has money issues, you know, from small to big, you know, it could be, um, I, you know, I just don't know how to work on my credit score, pay down debt, you know, it could be very practical things, but it, it could be, I'm going through a big life transition. 
um, or I received an inheritance and I, you would think that would be a lovely thing, but that isn't for everyone, depending on who they received it from, or they'd rather have the person alive than, than passed away. Or there, there's, I mean, there, I mean, so everyone comes to me with a level of money, shame, mm. you know, and money, shame, shame just means I'm not okay. You know, I don't do this the right way. I'm stupid around money. Everyone else learned this, but me, um, you know, if I came from this family, I would have learned it. If I came from that family, I would have learned it. And I have, you know, I have people across the board. So shame is just one of the very first big emotions that comes up. You know, I'm not okay. And yes, there's layers of, and I should know this, you know, even though as I go back to earlier, we weren't taught this um, and I'm super savvy or I'm, you know, high earning, I'm in real estate or I'm in the corporate world and I have this great job. I just think I should know how to do this by myself or I should do it you know, I, I like to do things by myself or I'm embarrassed to ask, or, um, I, I mean, I've heard so many different reasons of why people don't ask for support. So shame is one of the very first emotions that people, it's like a, it's like a cloak that they're wearing. And so, you know, for those folks, I would say, go read a book, go read my blog, you know, and start asking yourself, I have tons of questions in my book. Um, and you can start journaling with one question. What did you learn from your mom growing up? Or what did you learn about money from your dad or your grandma? You know, and how are you different from your siblings? And just, just starting to peek, take a peek. I like the word peek because I, you know, people are terrified to even look at their numbers. You know, and I have an article on, are you terrified to look? Let's just peek, you know? So and I'm a big then, well, then how do you do that? Some people will do that alone, off in their own corner first. Other people, um, you know, I would get calls originally and they would just ask me questions. And then, I mean, I got this the other day. Barry, I saw one of your ads back in 2006 <laughs> in a yoga magazine. I'm finally, oh my gosh. I'm finally ready. Wow. So, you know, I put out yeah. a weekly newsletter on a different money topic. So start peaking, you know, but, but here's the other thing is that there is reaching out for help. There's bookkeepers, there are accountants, financial planners, estate planners. They all have different specialties. They all come from different backgrounds. And, you know, what is their experience and background and how do you hire someone? You don't add an entire financial team at the same time you pick one. You know, and yet it's scary to have a, someone else looking at your numbers. Many people feel naked, just utterly naked. I'm showing you my cards. I'm showing you my life, you know, but if you have a good teacher who's also a bookkeeper and a trainer, you know, and you get a good referral from someone. So you start slow. You know, this is why from day one, I started doing groups. I do love private therapy and I work with women and couples and create and women who own their own businesses, but I just opened that up after five years and I opened up, you know, 20 slots. Let's say I like working in groups um, because you, you, even with 10 people, you walk in the room. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. I mean, you may still feel the shame. It's brave to walk into a room. Now it's all online. So that's easier right? You can be a little more anonymous. And, but here's the thing. If you are willing to share anything about your money story, your, your childhood, your current patterns, your challenges, then that represents at least 25 other people in the room, if not 50, you know, and they might, may have come from the same background. They may have come up from a completely different background. So some folks like to share a lot in the private forum, other people sit quietly and they just watch and they read what other people share. And when someone else shares, then, you know, it's, it's wonderful to watch and witness them. And then, so we, we are unshaming together and we're learning. We're not alone and on and on and on. So yeah. that's what the other thing about groups too, is that it's more, you know, it's more reasonably priced. So, you know, it, it's, Yep. Private therapy is is mostly middle class on up, unless you have sliding scale slots or you work you're willing to work with lower income folks, um, and that's another reason why I did groups from day one is I wanted to make it as 
accessible as I possibly could. And because we learn so much about ourselves, we may see someone else and go, oh, that's my mom. Mm -hmm. Now I understand it more, or that's my brother, you know, and we're so different and, or that's my husband or that's my wife, you know, and I, and I can talk about couples in a moment. So that's a little like, so I would say, start reading, you know, the art of money book, go to other people who are talking about money and just start peeking and just peeking and maybe journaling and taking it on your walks or when you exercise and starting to think about it. Yeah, no, that's great. Great suggestions. I love the, I love the concept of peaking. <laughs> that's a, um, I think that's a really nicely said word. And I, I, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta take that into my own life, you know? I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. You know, I love what you're saying, Barry. You know, a lot of the women that come to us and a lot of the women in our community are all uh, creating, wanting to create financial freedom or have created financial freedom, you know, either or, right? There's women in all different stages of investing toe in the water all the way through. They've created their financial freedom roadmap. And now they're just like, what do I do with my time? But then they, but your money story and your money relationship to money evolves as you evolve, right? And so I'm sure you see that, you know, I'm curious, the, the question I have for you is I'm curious how important it is to be, be, to know your money story before you say, get involved in investing. Or, you know, in some ways for me, I figured out my money story as I started invest, right? So then I was, I was faced with different things and all the good things I learned as a kid served me. And then it was time to like, let go. I I grew up as a saver. I grew up very much someone who, you know, we weren't going on extravagant, uh, you know, vacations. It wasn't like a ton of disposable income. Um, My dad was a school teacher, right? He, he, he was a full-time school teacher, and that was, that's a great living, but still you, you have to look at, okay, where do I bring this from? So as I started getting into investing and in, in our business, my own stuff came up, right? My own my husband's stuff came up, but it was like through the process, right? It wasn't like, we got that in check. Good. We're good. And now let's go invest. It didn't happen like that for us. And I'm curious, I'm just thinking in my head, the one listening are all interested in investing, right? Or they're, or they're, or they're current investors and they're scaling but that money story can really limit us as we grow, especially as we grow. And we have more of that disposable income. So I'm curious, Barry, you know, for the women listening, you know, they may not have shame. Or they maybe have moved through that shame process. I'm sure everyone has to move through it. And they're looking to expand, right? They're looking for that abundance, that prosperity. And, you know, they know they still have some, some, some old stories playing in the background. So once they've done some of this, this body work, which I think is, is such a smart approach, you know, what, what's like kind of like the next level? What's the, uh, you know, as they shift and move and evolve, do they need to continually be mindful of this? Right. Cause then it's, then it's like, I have the money. I don't want to spend the money now. Right. So that's a different problem of, well, I didn't have the money and I didn't want to spend it cause I'm frugal, but no, I have the money and I don't want to spend it. Different problem, right. Different situation. So, but it evolves. So I guess my question to you is what would you say to that woman listening that, you know, needs to keep evolving her money story, if you will, how does she keep um, evolving as she evolves in her business and in her investments? Yeah, I love this question. So this is about financial identity, right? And it's a lifelong journey to, and we're, hopefully it is, right? We're, and, yeah. and some people want to be done, have their money thing all figured out or think that they can get to a certain amount of savings or investments and ha- you know, not have any money emotions anymore, not have any life curveballs. You know, mm-hmm. Life is still going to happen. You've already said that. So we can become great planners, which I love and work with financial planners and, you know, have that all in place, but life's still going to happen, right? Someone's going to die. Um, Just things are going to change. Divorce is going to happen, right? But 
So it is, it is a lifelong journey of continually looking at your relationship to money every year, your financial identity and updating it. But there's so much more to the money healing and I'm going to answer your question. So, I mean, checking with your body is one part of it, understanding your emo- emotions that come up and, you know, shame is maybe the first one, but then it can move into, you know, yeah. lots of other, you know, positive emotions as well. Um, and then there's pieces around forgiveness. Some people have things around the past that they need to forgive, whether it's with their family, their parents did not know how to um, teach them financial literacy or emotional literacy, right? Um, And you can have a lot of feelings around that, or um, you didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. And so, you know, you're, you're, and you are starting your own business or, you know, you've moved to a whole next level. So, there's stuff to work around that. There's so there's uh, forgiveness. There's completions from the past, but then I I call it ritual, but it's also just stepping into new financial identity. So you you know it's hard when your cash flow is low, but for some of us, as we start earning more, we have similar issues that come up. But it, you know, meaning we all of a sudden have just a lot of energy, um, and we're moving into a next level. Whenever I would go to speak to a larger audience. I would get scared and nervous and say, well, is it my body telling me to not do this? No, my body's telling me we're going to take a leap and it's scary and exciting. It's all of the above and just hang in there. So yes, whenever people fill a course or make the deal or, you know, and get an influx of, you know, additional resources and money, then that's a whole moment. You know, do I trust myself to, do, you know, spend this well? Do I trust myself to save? How can I steward this money? What do I do? You know, so much com- can come up for women there in that moment. The money's come in. Do I just yep. tuck it away and, you know, let it sit in the state savings? Because some women, because of their past, they want to just get rid of it as quickly as possible, right? That wasn't, you, you were a saver for early on. So I had to work with my tendencies early on to want to spend. Friend. Yeah. Right. And I had to like slow myself down. I'm going to tuck it away and see how that feels. And then for a lot of high earners, it's then you get to really map out and plan what you want to do with this money and making sure it's in alignment with your values. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the exciting part, but that can be, that can bring up issues for some women, Absolutely, you know, is, and then that's yeah. where you do want to sit down with a financial coach or a financial planner. And yeah, they are more black and white, but a lot of my financial coaches, they sit down with you. They look at your values. They look at the numbers, what phase of life you're in kids, no kid, like, what do you want? What are your dreams? And financial planners do that too, but they'll just give you a lifelong budget and say, stick to this, you know? Mm -hmm. And then a lot of people can't because their own emotions and money stories gets in the way. I'll tell one short story. It was she was a really high earner, but she was in the corporate world. So she was working crazy hours, right? So that that's always interesting. Um, but she was in a, a corporate accountant and um, worked her way up. So she, she had a really high salary and she kept getting a really care, clear financial plan and then wasn't sticking to it. And when she read in my money practice section, so I, I need to make this all fun and creative because this area of life used to be terribly boring for me. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to have a relationship with money. It's boring. You know, it's not exciting. And so from day one, I was like, well, how can I make this more creative and interesting? And I saw socially responsible values-based investing, you know, 20 some years ago. And I, I thought I want values-based bookkeeping. And so it seems like such a little thing, but I have people sit down and redo their bookkeeping, even if they're working, working with a bookkeeper and they list out all their values and they rename all their categories. Now this is for their personal finances, not their business. You know, I mean, you know, Hmm. accountants would understand, but when they want to, you know, figure out your tax deductions, it could be a little confusing. So you sit down and you rename all of your categories so that when you sit down at your bookkeeping, you get to see what you're doing in your life what you're dreaming, what you're cooking up, what you're creating, what you're making happen and renaming, you know, rent mortgage. You can't really change that, but it could be home. It could be sanctuary. It could be love shack. I've seen people rename a debt from that damn debt, you know, to what was really going on in my life. Oh, it was a huge trip to Italy that changed the course of my life or, Oh, that was a health crisis that my wife went through hmm. and she's, she's survived cancer 
and we have these medical bills and debt. And I've had people rename little things like that. And the simple renaming, and this is not for everyone, makes such a difference. So to go back, it's a lifelong journey. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people do the financial identity update every month. Like what's going on with me? Where do I feel my money? Where are my money ceilings? Where, you know, what's the amount that I've never made more or beyond? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some people it could be a yearly amount for some people. It could be just planning out six months at a time. Um, it could be you. I know you all get windfalls. It's different for, you know, for me, I was like, I need monthly income, you know, mm-hmm. and I need to have that for a year. You know, we're back in the day. It was, can I just have monthly income, monthly income, and then maybe three months. So there's lots of little ways to update your financial identity, um, yeah, you know, that. from setting your goals, from checking into your own limitations. The last thing I'll just say is that boundaries, which was named at the very beginning, is when I'm working with under earners, trying to get them to up level, um, we talk about boundaries all the time. So know your yeses, know your nos, or how about know all your nos, and then pick three yeses of what you're able to do, you know, right now, and go for that. And and so there's a lot of little things around um, knowing your boundaries, knowing your nos, knowing your yeses, and and that helps with just updating your financial identity as well. Thinking mm. forward, right? We we all go through the our money story and everything, and then many of us are parents. And the 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 thing that a lot of parents have a fear of is that that they're going to continue the cycle and they're not going to break the cycle. And I don't know, in your opinion, if the fear is already <laughs> saying, okay, so you're, you're focusing on the fear, therefore you're going to propel this or focus on, on your reframing. I don't know if that's the word that you use, but reframing or, or updating, improving your money identity and they will see that and then create a new cycle. So for the parents that are having the, those struggles in their mind, what would you say? Okay, this is, you know, you see, I have a lot of answers. Like I can't just say one thing. So, and I'm going to talk about couples for a second and parents. So I have so many mother, daughter, father, daughter teams that come to me now. And so the daughters might be in their 30s. And their moms are in their 50s or 60s, okay? And they're doing this work for the very first time together. So that makes me incredibly happy. Um, it's never too late. It's never too late to do this work. And we all can change and shift and learn. You know, again, financial literacy and emotional literacy, both of those things, which are left out of our, you know, schooling, our upbringing, which is what my, my financial, financial therapy methodology is, is something that we can learn well into our adult life. But our kids are watching us. They're watching everything. And so I would say, you know, start doing your own money work. So even with a couple, sometimes I say, you, one of, you each do your own money work first, separately, because I've never seen two people come together and have the same patterns around earning and spending and saving. They usually polarize. They're usually in moments horrified by the way the other person does it and has that moment where they see the credit card bill and how the other person spends and they go running to them, you know, while they're in the shower or right before bed. I've done all that. It's not, you know, usually doesn't work. Um, But so couples, you know, they have to learn about their own money story and their own strengths and their own challenges. So we all have strengths around money. We all have challenges around money. No one person knows how to do money, you know, the right way or the only way. And that usually happens in a couple where one person has the finance degree or accounting degree. They think they're the smarty pants. The other person feels stupid, but I've worked with so many couples to know, yeah, the guy with his fabulous spreadsheets that may work for him, But the woman may want to learn her own bookkeeping system. She may want to learn Mint or QuickBooks or YNAB and find her own system, you know, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know everything, you know, in his accounting classes, he didn't learn about money emotions and he has them, 
even if it's really black and white for him. So, and he's not the best teacher. I'm saying male, female here, but this could be female couples. It could be right. Any dynamic. And so there's that. And so I don't mean to say all this to make it overwhelming, you know, step one could be, there are some great money books for kids. I've been asked to write one and my son's only 12. And I say, yeah, when he's 18 or maybe when he's 21, <laughs> and I have this more figured out, but it's just baby steps. There's um, good books by Brad Klontz and Beth Kobliner. Um, and they all have great books on money and kids and just the basics. But you can, when you start learning about your money story, you can just start watching your kids. I'd say the biggest thing is just talk, bring your kids in the money conversation. You know, as Liz, you already saying, you sit down as a family to set intention. So our family sits down to talk about where we want to donate at times, or when we're making a big decision, our son was in Montessori school, private school for a long time. And we were like, well, what else could we do with those funds? You know, we could go on. Yeah two trips to Europe or, you know, and we, and we talk that through with our son and, you know, it's an ongoing journey. The last thing that I'm kind of proud of is we've had trouble with allowance and figuring that out. And there's no right way. You have to see the personality of your kid, what works for them, what works for your family, but we are finally doing allowance again, where our son needs to keep his room clean. And by the end of the week, if it's clean, you know, even vacuumed and, you know, no food. He's, he's, he's pretty slobby like I was. Um, the, by the end of the week, then he gets his, he's 12, he gets $12 and I pay, you know, I send him via PayPal. And um, the other day he asked me for the money and I sometimes have to ask him to clean a few times. So I thought I was being very clever and said, um, no, you need to ask me a few more times. And so my husband thought that was fabulous. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to be in therapy later on in his life. You know, talking about how my mom made me ask four times, you know, because he, I have to ask him four times, but anyway, we are now, you know, uh, successfully doing allowance, keeping the room clean. When in the past, he was like, it's my room. Why do I have to keep it clean? But we needed some incentive for him to contribute to the household, you know, and, you know, and then yes, of course you, we're happy to give you allowance. So I think that, um, you know, as I was saying, I have, you know, 60 year old parents coming in with their 30 or 40 year old adult yeah. kids exploring Great. their relationship to money for the first time. You can do it at any point you start slow. They're watching. The next thing I'll just say is that learning a bookkeeping system. And that's the next thing I'm going to teach my son is how to use mint or QuickBooks. Um, now that he's 12, going to be 13 and so excited. So there's, there's new things that you can learn. And as you're learning, you can share them and just bring, don't be afraid to talk about money, but yeah, there is a lot of, don't talk, don't say too much, but don't say too little, find that middle place in between. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's, and it continues to evolve as your kids get older, right? And I have a seven-year-old or four-year-old. I know, Andressa, you've, what's Lorenzo? Six? I think he's six, six right? Yeah. Six. Yeah. So I was right. He's a year younger than Zach. And it's like, you know, the conversations are different now than they were when Zach was three and now he wants to earn money. And what does that look like? And it's, um, yeah, you got to keep up leveling your game as a parent and keep doing things differently and, and not figure it all out yourself. Cause that's the, that, that's, this doesn't work. So I love, I love all your suggestions. Love your, love all the concepts you're, you're, um, sharing with us today and you know the the women listening in our audience where can they learn more about you barry so my website barrytesler.com is the best place and i do put out weekly a new newsletter on a different money topic you know like here's an interview on a, with a student loan expert here's my thoughts on debt here's the antidote to money shame so when you join my community list you'll get a seven-day little um, taste of the art of money methodology. And then you'll be in my community list. Um, and what else I'm on Instagram. Um, that's my favorite. I'm on Facebook and yeah, go, go get my book. You, you know, it's in hardcover, my favorite paperback. It's now on audible. That took me almost five. It took four and a half years to make the audible version happen, but that it's there now. 
Um, so go enjoy the book and go from there. Awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. So you don't need to rush to get a pencil and paper. You're going to have all the links on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. The first one, Barry, is what's the most transformational book you ever read? Um, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who survived the Holocaust. And um, yeah, his journey through that and his ability and capacity to find hope and joy um, for humanity after was, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Whatever balance means to you. Mm, One? Oh my God. Um, Well, you know, the body check-ins and to, you know, really learning QuickBooks early on. And, you know, I always joke and say I needed a box of tissue um, and dark chocolate, lots of dark chocolate and a really good hand holder. So for me early on, it's evolved, but being able to track my numbers and learn about cash flow and learn how to read those reports, which were so scary. You know, I learned everything about my business and how to plan and do projections and budgeting. So I would say that was the tool that allowed me to plan, dream, feel confident, know my numbers, know what's going on. That's been, that's, that's been one of my top tools over the years. Great. And the last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? You know what? I, I'm just going to be simple here. And I'm going to just go with my mom. Um, because we've had such a journey of, you know, being really close in my teenage years. She called me quite a nickname that I won't say because it was a swear word, but (laughs) in my teenage years. um, And, you know, we've really found our way. She's 75 and her and I talk about everything and all the money stuff. And I, you know, I call her up and I say, so did your grant, did your parents own their own house when they moved to Chicago? And, you know, tell me about the businesses that they had in Russia where my family, you know, I'll escape from. And I, 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 I tell me, tell me the birth story again. Like I just, I call my mom almost every day, every few days, you know, and ask her questions like this. And Um, she's, she's very generous and she's very frugal. So we're, you know, and, and I, you know, and I'm different than her, but I, I'm going to say just my relationship with my mom and how it's evolved and where we are today in such a good place. That's amazing. Uh, Barry, thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing all your amazing, amazing ideas and tips, uh, because the money is a big one when it comes to investing. And uh, I don't think enough people that are investing do focus on it. So thank you so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom. We appreciate you and appreciate your time so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.